This was recorded live at Trinity Church in San Juan, Puerto Rico. For more information, go to trinitypr.org. Right. Well, good morning. Thank you so much, Ben. Appreciate you guys and you at home, Trinity. Happy Easter. If you are new joining us, I'm Ronnie Garcia, pastor here at Trinity Church. Now, when Jesus died on a Friday, he was buried where he remained in the tomb until that Sunday. And on that Sunday, 2,000 years ago, he rose from the dead and he was resurrected and he actually stayed with his disciples for 50 days before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Now, during those 50 days, Jesus did many things that actually helped the church to understand the implications of the resurrection. Now, listen, Christians get that Jesus died and rose, that he rose 2,000 years ago. And people also get that, you know, at the very end of time, there will be a general resurrection, right? The day of the resurrection, But if that's all we understand, perhaps we are missing it. The resurrection of Jesus, the reason why we even celebrate Easter is because the resurrection has everything to do with how we think about our present moment, our lives right now. It actually shapes how we think about our minds and our jobs and our bodies and and our food and even our purpose. See, the Bible teaches that when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come, right? That means we have resurrection power coursing through us right now. So it's not just the resurrection then is not just something that happened in the past, although it did. And it's not just something that will happen in the future, though it absolutely will as well. But it is a present reality. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to evaluate together with us just a passage from the Gospel of John that takes place right after the resurrection and to see what it might mean for us today, what it means for the church today, for modern people in this present moment. So if you are a note taker, um, there are kind of two headings. So we're going to study John chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 19. And here are my two headings for our study this morning. It's how the resurrection relativizes this world in our life, and then also how the resurrection dignifies the world in this life. So relativize and dignify this world. Now, um, let's give careful attention to John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. This is the very best part of the whole sermon, so very reverently give it your attention. Beginning in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, 
was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it into my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And that ends the reading of God's word. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of God abides forever. May he bless it for you, even in your living room, and for the preacher. Amen. Let's begin with how the resurrection relativizes uh, this world and this life. Uh, Have you ever heard of the term FOMO? F-O-M-O, right? It means, FOMO means fear of missing out. It was actually added to the Oxford Dictionary in 2013. So the fear of missing out is actually growing incredibly acute in this generation. And I'm not just talking about hipster millennials, man. This is like, like boomers too, right? Now how so? Well, so for instance, so we, we might be like, for instance, completely stuffed due to eating too much food. But what will we do? And we will go in for the dessert even so. Why? Because we want to taste it, right? We don't, we don't want to miss out. Or maybe we're completely exhausted, right, by our work week. But we will take and accept an invitation to stay out late. Why? Man, because we don't, we don't want to miss out on the action. We might actually spend money that we don't have to go on an exotic vacation. Why? Because we want to experience the the pleasures of this world. Or parents, think about your kids. You might actually, they might be packed out with activities and you will put them in one more thing. And why? Because you want your kids to have more experiences. You know, we even have this thing called bucket lists. You know what a bucket list is? Of course you do. It is a list of things that a person wants to do before they die. Did you know that bucket lists is a new phenomena? Like this is a new thing. In fact, Most cultures don't have bucket lists. This is primarily a Western thing. See, a bucket list is a cultural category for wealthy people who have been seduced by the notion that this life is all that there is. Or to introduce a whole nother uh, popular acronym, YOLO, right? Y'all know what that is, Y-O-L-O? You only live once. Got to get it all in. Well, these kinds of slogans are extremely popular because Most people don't think that there's a resurrection. And if there is no resurrection, then by default, you must make this life your functional heaven. If this life is all you have, you must ensure that you get every single experience possible. You have to make this life your personal heaven. And so you do 
everything to make yourself happy, and you can't miss out. You can't sacrifice your time or your money. Why? Because those are your main resources for making this life your heaven. Now listen, if you truly believe that this life is your primary opportunity to experience the best things, then you will organize your life around yourself. Every person in your life will turn into an instrument, or in some cases an obstacle, for your personal happiness. Your job, your children, your sex, your money, your time, all of it is about you. But here's the catch. If this is true, then you can't truly love those things, right? Those things are stripped of their intrinsic value and reduced to tools so that you don't miss out on your personal heaven, right? You'll, ne- you'll never make sacrifices unless there's a, a deeper agenda for making that sacrifice, you see. Now listen, I mentioned all this because it's really relevant for understanding our text. See, our passage here in John chapter 20 comes right after the resurrection of Jesus. And so all the disciples, they're gathered and they're, they're all together and they're hiding, they were sad, afraid, and depressed. Now, the text tells us that they actually locked themselves in their house. Now, why did they do that, right? It's because, man, the Jews were still really angry at them. And we're talking about like mob justice kind of thing. They lived in a culture that was absolutely hostile to their beliefs. And so they were actually afraid for their lives. And the people in Jerusalem who are out there in the streets, they're the ones who were screaming just a few days earlier, crucify him, crucify him. See, the people were angry at Jesus, and they continued to be angry at his followers. And so, of course, the disciples were afraid. But somehow, with the doors locked, the resurrected Jesus appears. We see that in verse 19. Jesus shows them his hands, shows them his hands, and says, peace be with you. And then he says, look there, verse 21 As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, let me tell you why this is so significant. Jesus is essentially saying, in light of the resurrection, they must go to the people who crucified Jesus, right? Those same people who, he's saying, you got to go to those who will likely oppress them and tell them about the gospel. They have to go live their lives for those people instead of for themselves. So Jesus is sending them on a mission that could cost them their lives. This is like a suicide mission, right? I don't know if it's a suicide mission immediately, but it most certainly will cost them their time and their resources. So why would they do it? It says, they believed that Jesus' resurrection promised a real resurrection of all things And so by sacrificing for Jesus Christ, they weren't going to miss out on anything. Now here's, listen, this is why this is important. When the disciples saw the resurrected Jesus, they knew his his resurrection was the guarantee of the recreation of all things. That meant that they could sacrifice their time and money and dreams and even their lives Because they knew they would never miss out. They would get everything that this world promises. But even better, 
right? Y'all, this is even what heaven is, right? Heaven is not about turning into ghosts or angels or wearing a toga or playing a harp or dancing on clouds, all right? Can Can we have real talk here? That sounds terrible. That's not what heaven is. No, instead, they understood that one day they would get the best parts of this world without any of the bad parts, and they would get Jesus as well. And because there was no risk then of missing out, they could sacrifice their lives to follow Jesus. They knew that one day their lips would taste the best wine. They knew that their ears would hear the most beautiful music. They knew that their arms would hug all of their favorite people They knew that their eyes would see the most majestic works of art or architecture or the most beautiful parts of the world. See, the resurrection was a promise that they could live sacrificially for Christ in their present moment because he was making all things new. The creation would finally be redeemed and saved and they would be there with him. Now, people who suffer from FOMO are people who have either de facto or unconsciously decided that this life is their heaven. That's actually a very depressing thought. You know why? Because enough is never enough. Your experiences, whether it's vacations or sex or food or career or whatever, will never be enough to make you happy. It is a desperate chase. It's like polishing silver on the Titanic. So I want to give you just a few diagnostic questions to see if you could sort of interrogate your heart to see if you have forgotten about the resurrection, if you are not benefiting from this resurrection life. Here's a few questions. Do you incessantly check social media, right? To see what everyone's doing or saying, kind of get in on the action. Do you continually question your career choices? Like you're missing out on something, right? You can't just stay put. Do you um, feel tempted to be at every party, right? Are you afraid to give away your time or your money because those are your best tools for your happiest life? Are you involved in too many activities with no margin for truly important things? Now, listen, I know that some of you are locked in because of COVID-19, but what happens when the curtain gets pulled away? Are you going to go back to it? Are you suffering now because you feel like because you're locked in, you're missing out on something better? Listen, please listen carefully. The resurrection relativizes our experiences in this life because there is a promise that we will never miss out if we are joined to Jesus in his resurrection. We are going to get joy and intimacy and delight and fulfillment in ways that things in this world can only hint at. And so those diagnostic questions are just a start for you to have real talk with your own heart. Right? Are you living in the resurrection power today for your present life? All right, let's quickly move to our second point. So first, we, of course, looked at how the resurrection relativizes this world and our life, but it also dignifies this world and our life. 
Uh, every year, actually every year up until 2017, Hurricane Maria, thanks but no thanks, but there we are. But every year my family would spend a one-week timeshare with my aunt and uncle out in Dorado, just west of where a lot of you guys live. Um, it's perfect. It's right on the beach. And guess what my kids uh, would do every single year? We made sandcastles, of course. And let me just say, these are not like ordinary sandcastles. I mean, these are massive ones with tunnels and outer walls and turrets. And we would spend hours making them. The next day when we um, returned to the beach, guess what we would find? All of our work would be washed away by the tide. Well, one year, after a little bit of disappointment that that was the case, my son asked, Dad, what's the point? What's the point if what we make is always going to be washed away? Now, my son is as a philosopher at that moment. He's asking like a metaphysical question, right? What is the point? What's the point? That question is the question that we must ask ourselves about our lives, about our work, about our purpose. There, there's this um, incredibly beautiful image right at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. And, and it illustrates uh, really graphically, beautifully, what the end of time looks like. And this is what it says. Let me just read a few verses. This is from Revelation 21. The, uh, the Apostle John says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. All right, the, the glory and the honor of the nations. What, what that is connoting is that the, the magnificent creations of all cultures, whether it's art or education or commerce, music, banking, architecture, sports, whatever, all the glorious things of our culture, the redemptive things, they will all remain forever. They will, they will be entered into the new heavens and the earth. Listen, heaven is not just like an outer space. Heaven is this place, God's creation, but God's creation perfectly renewed and recreated and redeemed. The beautiful things will remain. God will not abandon this world. No, when God created the world, what did he say? He said, it is good, very good. So what he does is he intends to remake it. And when he does, he will raise all of his people to new bodily life in it. Therefore, what we do in this life matters. In the words of the gladiator, Maximus Aurelius, what does he say? He says, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. He's right, y'all, right? Our work matters. Our lives are not like sandcastles on the beach. That's how come the Lord teaches us to pray like this, right? He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. What? On earth, just like it is in heaven, right? This vision of eternality and resurrection is made strikingly evident in our passage when Jesus appears to Thomas. Look back there. The disciples, of course, are they're scared, they're disappointed, when Jesus appears to them, it, 
It secures their hope, right? So they're, they're encouraged. But, but of course, Thomas is missing. So the disciples told Thomas, and what did he say to them? Look there, verse 25. He says, yeah, sorry, guys. Unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails, unless I put my finger up in it, right, I will never believe. He's so sure of himself. Eight days later, the disciples, they're together again. Again, the door is locked, and yet Jesus mysteriously like walks through the walls. He's with them. They're a little bit freaked out. That's why he's always saying peace, right? Like chill, right? So he turns to Thomas, and he says, look there, verse 27. He says, hey, Thomas, put your finger right here. Look at my hands. Up top, Thomas, right? Like feel me, right? Do not disbelieve, but believe. Now, What's astounding about all of this, particularly what we see in Jesus, is that with Jesus, there's a continuity and a discontinuity, right? So on one hand, Jesus has this mysterious newness to him. I mean, physical walls can't keep him out, right? His body's different. It's imperishable. But on the other hand, and this is what's so important to notice, Jesus insists that Thomas touch him. Jesus wants Thomas to feel his flesh, to touch his hands, hands that actually have scars. See, Jesus is still physical. Now, obviously, there's something mysteriously new, but he is not a ghost. He is a physical person. And in fact, in the very next chapter, man, Jesus is having like breakfast on the beach with his best friends, right? He's like, hey, pass over some salty fish. He's literally eating a meal with his buddies. Jesus does not become inhuman. He becomes more human. His humanity is enhanced. So Jesus doesn't get rid of his own flesh. He embraces it. So what does this, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for any project that we undertake in this life? Will it all just burn and go away? No. As the theologian N.T. Wright, he says it better than I could. Listen to N.T. Wright's reflection on this. He says, The point of the resurrection is that the present bodily life is not valueless just because it will die. What you do with your body in this present matters because God has a great future in store for it. What you do in the present by painting and preaching and singing and sewing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging whales, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself, all those things will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little bit more bearable until one day we leave it behind altogether. Rather, they are part of what God, of what we call building for God's kingdom. Couldn't say it better. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project. Not, not to snatch people away from earth into heaven, but to infuse earth with the life of heaven, you see. See, the Bible has a very high view of the physical world. God will not get rid of it. Rather, he will redeem it. And you and I have the great dignity to participate in that redemption even now. Listen, this is, this is how come Christians care about environmental issues. This is why Christians care about the poor. 
This is why Christians should care about fair business practices. This is why Christians should care about educational systems. See, we have a very high view of this world, of human development and culture. Our efforts in their redemption will last into eternity. Our work matters. What we do matters. Even changing diapers, it all matters. Our life, our decisions matter eternally. Is that how you're living right now? Do you live believing in the resurrection? Do you believe that your vocation, your time, your efforts will echo all the way into heaven? See, by God's sheer mercy and grace, he has invited us to cultivate the glory of God's creation so that it flourishes, right? I mean, think about this. When the Bible begins, it starts in the garden with a tree in the middle, but that's not how it ends. It ends in a city with a tree in the middle. There, there is this progress from, from garden to city. See, through the story of the Bible, God's glory is cultivated and constructed and realized through our participation. And we can know this with certainty because Jesus himself was resurrected in physical form as he remains forever. All right, let me, um, let me just conclude. Thank you for your attention. As I say every week, it's hard to have a sermon on TV. But let me, just, let me just summarize. So this morning, we briefly looked at a story of Jesus Christ who, after his resurrection, appeared to the disciples that proved the resurrection enhanced his humanity. It didn't turn him into a ghost. He remained fully God but also fully human, a man who walks and talks and eats. And as such, the resurrection then, uh, the resurrection of Jesus both relativizes this world and it dignifies it at the same time because we are promised a life in the new creation where we will eat and see and taste and dance. And because that's true, we should have no fear of missing out we can testify to the resurrection by sacrificing ourselves and our resources for others in this present life. We don't have to make this life our heaven because heaven is coming to earth one day. And on that day, we will begin an eternal enjoyment that all the wonderful things in this world can only hint at. And on the other hand, of course, because the resurrection is true, it dignifies this life. That is to say, this life matters. Our decisions and efforts are building into that future reality. It's, a, it's a kind of the glory of our culture because we're made in God's image. They will last. This world will not be burned up. Rather, it will be purified and perfected. And this means that our work has purpose. It's not like sandcastles on the beach. What we do matters. Trinity, what I want and hope you would understand is that your ordinary life and your ordinary acts of faithfulness have sacred, eternal value because of Easter. Happy Easter, and God bless you. Amen.
Now, normally what I would do, of course, and man, I cannot wait to be back with you live where we can just share together the Lord's table. We can't, of course, do that. But what we want to do is we want to take this moment to just reflect. So I'm going to call the band back up, and we're going to have a song to just kind of reflect. We don't want God's word just to kind of come and go. We want to kind of pray it into our hearts a little bit. We want to take a moment. We don't want to move past this too quickly. We want to have a moment to just let God's word kind of do business with us. And so um, for just a a minute or so, would you just take a moment, pray, and consider what the Lord is teaching, teaching you? Let it, let it just kind of work over your soul a little bit. Of course, you'll see on the screen or down below ways to give. This is an opportunity. This is where in our service we also are intentional with our resources. And when we give, we're saying, I believe in the resurrection. Like, I don't need all of this to make this life my heaven, right? And so we give and we're generous with a portion of all that God has given us so that we can cultivate his glory that will echo in heaven. Take a few moments to think and to give. It is such a joy to know that um, even though we're apart, that we're worshiping together in spirit. And that's real and it's true. Happy Easter. May God bless you. Um, Listen, if you are new and you're just watching because you just clicked on and want to know more about Trinity Church, this is a great opportunity to get involved, actually. First, you can know a little bit more about us at trinitypr.org. That's our website. And you can, of course, uh, from there, sign on and get our weekly newsletter to hear about what all's going on in our church. We continue to stay active. Uh, in fact, Women's Bible Study is starting this week, so make sure you uh, get, get more information about that and all the time. And if you're interested in a small group, we are doing small groups. Uh, just reach out to us, jeff at trinitypr.org. Jeff will uh, make sure he gets you plugged in. So listen, we know that this is a weird time in the history of the world, certainly in the the history of our lives. Um, Let's not waste it. I think God's doing something new. I know he's doing something new in me. And uh, let's just figure this thing out together. How about that? All right, our uh, benediction comes from Hebrews uh, chapter 13. And so I'm gonna lift up my hands and you can hold your hands back out like this. Nelson, I'm still talking to you, man. I'm still talking. You got to hold him out, man. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good work for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Trinity, you are dismissed. Happy Easter.